So look, we're going to start with Exodus 12, verse 1, and we're going to work through um, verses um, 1 through 28. And I got three points for y'all tonight, and we're going to look at the instructions for the Passover. Starting in verse 1, this is what God's word says. Excuse me. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, this month is the beginning of months for you. It is the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, they must each select an animal of the flock according to their father's families, one animal per family. If the household is too small for a whole animal, that person and the neighbor nearest his house are to select one based on the combined number of people. You should apportion the animal according to what each will eat. You must have an unblemished animal, a year-old male. You may take it from either the sheep or the goats. Verse 6, you are to keep it until the 14th day of this month. Then the whole assembly of the community of Israel will slaughter the animals at twilight. They must take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses where they eat them. They are to eat the meat that night. They should eat it roasted over fire along with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Do not eat any of it raw or cooked in boiling water, but only roasted over fire. Its head as well as its legs and inner organs. You must not leave any of it until morning. Any part of it left until morning you must burn. Here's how you must eat it. You must be dressed for travel, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. You are to eat it in a hurry. It is the Lord's Passover. So for point number one tonight, we're going to look at the instruction of the Passover. The instruction of the Passover. And I'm going to be honest, college students, as I read through this, as I prepared through this, man, we can see that God gives very specific instruction. And, hey, if you're somebody like me, I love specific instruction. Daniel's trying to tell me to remove two rows earlier, and I asked him, like, three questions about it. Specific instruction is good. But what's crazy is in the first um, 11 verses, we see the Lord give Moses and Aaron these specific instructions. And then later on, we'll see them give these same instructions to the elders. But in verse 2, the Lord tells them that this will be the first month of their year. And as I studied, I just learned, and I knew this, but as I studied it more and more, it just came, the puzzle just came. I saw the bigger picture, and it's such a beautiful picture. Every detail of the Passover is significant. Every single little detail of it is significant. And so before we even go even further, this is why, as I was studying, this is what I wrote in my notes right here. The coming deliverance from Egypt was such a significant act that God told the children of Israel to remake their calendar. This was such a significant act for the Israelites that God told them to remake their calendars. And so don't miss this. The new year would now start with the month of their redemption from Egypt. Think about that. They would now, each year, the the starting month of their years would be the redemption when they got out of Israel. Like, think about us. We celebrate New Year's every year. Man, we love, we watch the ball drop. Man, we're excited about January 1st. And, man, we, we get excited about the new year. But, man, do you get excited about what God's done in your life? Do you celebrate what God has done in your life? Because as we continue to walk through this passage, God tells them this is to be a statue for generations to come there to celebrate this because this was such a big deal. It was a dramatic way of saying that everything was about to change. And praise God. And as I continue to study, special meaning was attached to worship festivals, celebrating both agricultural achievements and memories of God's historical acts. And this is one of them for sure. And these acts of the Lord um, ordered their calendar. 
And in verse 3, we continue to see more specific instruction that they were to select an animal from their flock according to their father's family on the 10th day. And in verse 4, it tells us if the household was too small for a whole animal, that a person and their nearest neighbor are to select one animal based on the combined number of people. And then they were to portion this out according to how much they would eat. And as we continue to see this instruction to get more and more specific, do not miss this right here. The animal should be unblemished, a year old male, and it can be taken from the sheep or goats. But what's crazy is the sacrifice to the Lord had to be as perfect as a lamb could be. And as we cross-reference, Leviticus 22, verses 19 and 21, shed some light on this. Leviticus 22 says this right here. You must offer an unblemished male from the cattle, sheep, or goats in order for you to be accepted. You are not to present anything that has a defect because it will not be accepted on your behalf. When a man presents a fellowship sacrifice to the Lord to fulfill a vow or a free will offering from the herd or flock, it has to be unblemished to be acceptable. There must be no defect in it. But then we see further instruction. Malachi 1.8 speaks to this as well. When you present a blind animal for sacrifice, is it not wrong? And when you present a lame or sick animal, is it not wrong? Bring it to your governor. Would he be pleased with you or show you favor? Ask the Lord of armies. The animal was to be picked on the 10th day and kept until the 14th day for this reason right here. Um, In this way, the lamb would become a part of the family. And by the time it was sacrificed on the 14th day, it was both cherished and mourned. And the reason why God did that, God instructed them to that, was because God wanted the sacrifice of something precious. And as we continue to walk through this, college students, man, as we continue to walk through Exodus 12 and we walk through redemption, man, we have been given something precious by God. We've been given his son, Jesus Christ. God wants the sacrifice of something precious. But the question I have for you is, what have you not given completely over to the Lord? Because God's instruction is specific. God's instruction is clear. God's not a God of confusion. If you follow what God's word says, I guarantee you, you'll do just fine. I'm not going to say it's going to be easy. I'm not going to say your life's going to be easy if you're following God's instruction. But I will say the questions that you have, the hardships that you have, you can have joy, you can have peace, you can have grace, you can experience the things of the Lord if you're walking according to his instruction. And verse 7 tells us that the Israelites were to take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses where they eat the sacrifice. And before the Passover lamb could be eaten, its blood had to be applied to the doorway of the home, to the top and upon each side of the blood was applied. The only part of this sacrifice given to God was the blood. The rest was eaten by the family or burned. And as the blood was applied to the top and each side of the doorway, the blood dripped down, forming a figure of a cross in the doorway. How sweet is that? Even in, the, in Exodus chapter 12, what God has on his mind is Jesus and the cross. And what I would encourage you to do this, I don't have any, uh, anything coming up on the screen or anything like that. Draw a doorway in your notes. Draw a doorway in your notes. And if you need to look at a door, there's one to your right. Um, And man, what I want y'all to do, what God's instruction told them to do, to put blood on the two sides of it, one on each side, and then blood on the top of the door. And as that blood ran down the doorway, it made a bloody cross. And ever since, 
Man, the bloody cross doesn't just save you now. It's been saving people for years and years and years. But the question is, have you accepted it? Have you received Jesus Christ into your personal life? Is he your personal Lord and Savior? Because, man, the blood is what distinguishes you. We are distinguished by the blood. Praise God for a bloody cross and an empty tomb. All through the Bible, the bloody cross is what gives people their protection. And because they, they would need that protection on this night. Not only that, but how they ate it and how much they ate it, how much of it they ate was significant. Verse 9 tells us that the meat was not to be eaten raw or cooked in boiling water, but only over roasted fire. Any part of the meat that wasn't eaten was to be burned. There is significance behind eating the whole sacrifice and not saving some for later. Here's why. This is what I wrote in my notes right here. The idea behind eating all of it was that you had to take it all then and not store up some for the um, some of the rescue for later. It was right then, right now, and you had to receive all of it without thinking you could come back to it later if you pleased. And essentially, college students, what, what I'm saying is we take all of Jesus and not just the parts that please us. You have to take all, the, all of Jesus, not the parts that just please you. Because when you accept Jesus into your life as your Lord and Savior, it's not you taking the parts of God, the parts of God's word that fits your life, but it's your life fitting all of God's word. And that's how you experience life change. If you take bits and pieces, you're going to be missing pieces of the puzzle. But when you receive all of Jesus, when you let Jesus change all of your life, I guarantee you it comes together. We don't get to pick and choose the parts of the Bible we want to obey. We either let our life be ruled by God's word or our life is ruled by the world. And I'm telling you, college students, I have never met anybody who is fully satisfied by living by the world. Have you? And I want that to be an encouragement. I want you to live. Man, my team, our team, we want you to live by God's instruction because God's instruction isn't trying to keep you from something, but it's trying to give you everything that you need. Don't miss that. The world will beat you down, but praise God for his word because his word is what will build you up. Praise God for that. And, you know, as I said, I've said this multiple times, instructions are important. And when we don't follow instructions, it will get us in places that we don't need to be, like the play clay guy. And he didn't follow instructions. He went his own way. He'll never go to a Golden State Warriors game again. And I, as I was thinking about this, man, our college team, we got to spend some time together this past weekend. And, uh, man, it was a lot of fun. We did a lot of things from mini golf to Mario Kart to um, this, the version that Daniel and Hannah own. Um, it's called Jumbling Tower. But many of us know it as Jenga or Jenga. I got, prote- I got corrected all weekend on how to say it. I say Jenga. Does anybody agree with that? Jenga, Jenga? Thank y'all, Jenga. Um, but, man, as, as we played this game, I started to read the instructions. And what was funny was... Man, coach looked at me and said, man, nobody follows the instructions. And I bet a lot of you guys, when y'all play Jenga, what y'all do is, because, man, we we called each other out on it. Let me tell you something about Hannah Harris. She'll keep you accountable. Because when we tried to use two hands on the Jenga towel, she said, "Uh uh-uh, one hand, put it back. And you you had to go again. But here's the thing about it. I'm not going to focus so much on that. I want to focus on the tower itself because, you know, y'all know how the game of Jenga goes. Man, you try to get the loose piece, but as you get the loose piece, you have to put it on top. You keep going. You keep going. And, then, man, it just builds this, as the game calls it, jumbling tower, this tower that's about to fall. 
And college students, hear me say this. When you don't follow God's instruction, your life will become like a Jenga tower that is missing the pieces. When you don't follow God's instruction, your life will come crumbling down. But on the flip side of that, think about this. Man, when you follow God's instruction, when the Jenga tower is is all together put together, man, when you're built on God's words, you have a firm foundation. Your life can be so much different when it's built on the foundation of God's instruction. But my question to you, because the Israelites had to do the same thing, will you follow God's instruction? And as we continue to look at the Passover lamb, it had to be eaten in faith, trusting that the deliverance promised to Israel was present and that they would walk in that deliverance immediately. And Hebrews eleven twenty eight says this, By the faith he instituted the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch the Israelites. And I love this section at the end of one, uh, verse 11. It says, this is the Lord's Passover. This belonged to the Lord. And the Lord brought the saving. But as we, as we continue to look, I'm, we're going to pick up in, uh, verse, verse 12, and we're going to read the, uh, verse 20. And this is what God's word says right here. I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and strike every firstborn male in the land of Egypt, both people and animals. I am the Lord. I will execute judgments against all the gods of Egypt. The blood on the houses where you are staying will be a distinguishing mark for you. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. No plague will be among you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day is to be a memorial for you, and you must celebrate it as a festival to the Lord. You are to celebrate it throughout your generations as a permanent statue. You must eat unleavened bread for seven days. On the first day, you must remove yeast from your houses. Whoever eats what is leavened from the first day through the seventh day must be cut off from Israel. You are to hold a sacred assembly on the first day and another sacred assembly on the seventh day. No work may be done on those days except for preparing what people need to eat. You may do only that. Verse 17, you are to observe the festival of unleavened bread because on this very day I brought your military divisions out of the land of Egypt. You must observe this day throughout your generations as a permanent statue. You are to eat unleavened bread in the first month from the evening of the 14th day of the month until the evening of the 21st day. Yeast must not be found in your houses for seven days. If anyone eats something leavened, that person, whether a resident alien or native of the land, must be cut off from the community of Israel. Do not eat anything leavened. Eat unleavened bread. Excuse me. Do not eat anything leavened. Eat unleavened bread in all your homes. So number one, we looked at the instruction of the Passover. But point number two, we have to look at the importance of the Passover. Man, it's God that gave them a lot of instruction. But, man, they had to follow this instruction to a T because this is what led them. What God's word says, this is what led them to their deliverance. And what's crazy is this isn't the first time that the Lord gives this warning about. Because if we look back in verse, verse 12, it says, I'll pass through the land of Egypt on that night and strike every firstborn male in the land of Egypt. And college students, as you read God's word, man, when God says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. He's a faithful God. He's a God that keeps his word. And when he says, I will you better trust that he's going to do it. But he gives this warning in Exodus 11, just the chapter before, in verses 4 through 5. This is what he tells 
And this is what he says. So Moses said, this is what the Lord says. About midnight I will go throughout Egypt, and every firstborn male in the land of Egypt will die. From the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne to the firstborn of the servant girl who is at the grindstone, as well as every firstborn of the livestock. So God warned them of what was coming. And after that, he gave them instructions. And verse 13 tells us that the blood on the houses where the Israelites are staying are the distinguishing Mark during the Passover. And the name Passover arises from the fact that the Lord would pass through the land and strike every firstborn male, but he would pass over the homes bearing the blood. The Passover foreshadowed the coming of the Lord Jesus and his atoning death. This is all, man, like I said earlier, man, God had Jesus on his mind in Exodus chapter 12. This shows Jesus just as much as Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, where where it talks about Jesus' life. Jesus is present in the Old Testament just like he is the New Testament. We serve a God of the Bible that distinguishes you by his son's blood. And Paul told the church, this right here, Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. And he told them this to make sure they didn't miss the connection. In college students, that's my prayer for time. I do not want you to miss the connection from Exodus chapter 12 of the blood distinguishing you from the world. But not only that, delivering you from your sin. Are you covered by the blood of Jesus? And John the Baptist drew a similar image in um, John um, chapter 1, verse 29. This is what um, John 1, 29 says. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And Scripture even shows us that Jesus was crucified on the Passover. In John 19, verses 14 through 15, it was the preparation day for the Passover, and it was about noon. Then he told the Jews, Here is your king. They shouted, Take him away, take him away. Crucify. Saying Jesus is the Passover lamb has a lot of significance and weight to it. And here's how. I'm, I'm, I'm not usually like Daniel with all the subpoints, but I'm about, to, I'm about to hit y'all with them because there is so much significance to Jesus being our Passover lamb. And point A would be is this right here. The reason why Jesus is our Passover lamb is Jesus lived with and became bonded to the human family before he was sacrificed for them. Jesus lived with and became bonded to the human family before he was sacrificed for them. Like I said earlier, God wanted the sacrifice of something precious, and his son Jesus was precious. And then point B, the sacrifice of Jesus must be appropriate to each home, not simply on a national or community basis. Man, Jesus died for everybody, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And then if we go back to the specific instruction, it talked about an unblemished male. And in point C, the reason why Jesus is our Passover lamb is because he was spotless and perfectly so. He was not stained by any sin anymore or spiritual imperfection. Jesus was perfect. That's why he could die for our sin. Jesus was tempted just like us in every single way, but he was perfect. And that's why he was able to die the death that he did on the cross because he was perfect. Because his death is what covers us. His death is what gets us to heaven and his resurrection. And when we receive that into our life, I'm going to keep saying that all night because Jesus is what saves you. Jesus is what changes you. And point D, it was, it was only the blood of Jesus his actual poured out life that atoned for sin. College students, as I study this, man, there is weight. to Man, when people say the blood of Jesus, there is weight to that. There's significance to that. And there is saving power to that.
And point E, in his death, Jesus was touched with fire, the fire of God's judgment and wrath. And that goes, that goes to the specific instruction of how the lamb was supposed to be cooked over a roasted fire. And then point F, in his death, Jesus received the bitter cup of God's wrath. Jesus took on what nobody else could take on. And point G, the, the work of Jesus has to be received fully with none left in reserve. Have you fully received Jesus into your life as your personal Lord and Savior? And lastly, but surely there's so many more connections to it. The Passover work of Jesus for his people is the dawn and prelude to their freedom. When you accept Jesus into your life, college students, you get to experience freedom. Why wouldn't you want that? I say it all the time. I say it all the time when I share the gospel. I've never met anybody who has regretted giving their life to Jesus. And there's nothing good enough in this world that should keep you from that. It was through the events of the first Passover that Israel was set free from slavery through placing faith in Christ's substitutionary death. And we can also be set free from, that, from our sin. And we see that in Romans 6, verses 17 through 18. But thank God that although you used to be, um, but thank God that although you used to be slaves of sin, you obeyed from the heart that pattern of teaching to which you were handed over. And having been set free from sin, you became enslaved to righteousness. College students, God had our salvation in mind on this night in Egypt. When God passed over the homes, the blood that protected them, God had our salvation on, my, on, on his mind because he knew what was to come in his son, Jesus. And then from then on, the instruction tells them that from that night forward, the Passover was to be a memorial for the people of Israel. They were to celebrate it as a festival to the Lord because this, that was something, your salvation is, some, is worth celebrating. And the question I ask you, college students, I challenge you, do you ever look back and think about what God's done in your life? Do you celebrate what God's done in your life? Do you keep track of what God's done in your life? I've been pushed to prayer journal because, man, as I write prayer, prayers down in my journal, as I pray for specific people, I get to see how God's moved in those prayers, how he's answered those prayers, and what he's doing in those people's lives. And that's worth celebrating. I love what Coach says. He pushes our leaders to it. He pushes our team to it. Man, God is doing so much in the lives of you students as college students. But, man, we can't miss the celebrating of it. We do the work for it. We prepare for it. We, we do everything that God's asked us to do. But then we keep moving, and sometimes we forget to celebrate it. Man, college students, slow down. And celebrate what God's done in your life. Go tell somebody about what God's done in your life. What, is, is God doing something in your life? Because if you're not, I'm telling you, if you're not following God's instruction, I, I bet I can guarantee you you're struggling. And I'm not saying it's going to be, like I said earlier, it's not going to be easy when you're following God's instruction. But man, guess what? You have a blueprint. When you follow God's instruction, when you hit the struggle, when you hit the storm, when you hit the trial, whatever you're going through, you have the answer because you have God's instruction. And what we're called to do is to obey it. And that is what distinguishes you, man. Jesus is your Passover lamb. The blood that he poured out on the cross is what saves you. Accept that into your life tonight. As Daniel said earlier, as he introduced me, Jesus is what changed my life. A coach didn't change my life. A job didn't change my life. No amount of money can change my life. The only thing that can change my life is Jesus Christ, and I've seen it happen. 
I'm a totally different person than what I was in 2016 to what I am now because of Jesus Christ. That is the only thing that can, that is the only person that will change your life. Will you ask somebody about them tonight? Will you talk to somebody about Jesus tonight? And I encourage you, in college students, man, we have, we have community happening after this. We hang out before service, after service. What would it look like if you go tell somebody tonight, this is what God's doing in my life? Create that culture in the city of Memphis. Man, we have this culture of talking about so many other things, but we don't have a culture of talking about Jesus because we're so distracted, because we miss it. We're so focused on our assignments, our quizzes, our papers. I get it. You got to do it. I did it. I have my graduate. I have my graduate. What's it called? My diploma. But yeah, look, it didn't do much for me. Um, I have my diploma, but you have four years in college. And they fly. hear me say this. Daniel used to tell me all the time when I lived with my roommates. He said, guys, y'all are going to be graduated before you know it. And I'll say it from stage, man. Culture's right a lot of times. Your college days are passing you by. What are you doing with them? I talk, to, I talk to college guys now or graduated guys that I went to college with now, and all I hear about from them, because they, they, they understand God's teaching them, they, he, and God taught them while they were in college. They missed it while they were in college. And, man, they say it all the time. Dakota, if I could go back, I would die to myself, and I would live for Christ more. Give Everything that you have to Christ, and I'm telling you, because God's already given you everything. The question is, have you received it? Have you taken it? Where am I? And what's crazy is, man, as we continue to walk through this, that um, God tells us that tells the Israelites, the Israelites ate unleavened bread for seven days during the month of Abib, because this is when they came out of Egypt. And as I was studying, this is what I learned. Yeast, sometimes called leaven, is often symbolic of sin in the Bible. And this was because of the way of a little leaven influences a whole lump of dough. And also because of the way leaven puffs up the lump. Crazy connection. But you see it in Luke chapter 12, verse 1. This is what, this is what Jesus tells the disciples and warns them about the Pharisees. Meanwhile, a crowd of many thousands came together so that they were trampling one another. He began to say to his disciples first... Be on your guard against the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Be on your guard against the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Leaven would slowly spread throughout the dough, influencing the batch. And what Jesus is doing, he's warning the disciples about the Pharisees, about their leaven or their sin. In other words, their sin. And college students, I can, I, this is the clearest I can say it. If you're not on guard against sin, it will spread throughout your life and it will affect you. And sin will never have a positive effect on your life. You never get anything good from choosing sin. You never get joy from choosing sin. You never get peace from choosing sin. You get shame. You get guilt. You feel like you're getting beat up. But, man, when you accept Jesus, when you choose Jesus, man, when you receive Jesus into your life, I love Galatians 5. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. There is no law against such things. Why would you not rather have that? And when you're living, when you're walking with the Lord, you show those things in your life. Because what's crazy is lost people, the lost world, need to see the Christians live for Jesus. And that comes from us being obedient. Are you obeying the Lord? And I think about it this way. Talking about leaven, talking about dough puffing up. Think about a cookbook. I love this illustration. Tony Evans talks about it all the time. Think about a cookbook. 
And I know for me, I have to follow recipes because, man, I'm going to be honest, and my guys will understand this. Chicken and rice, it gets boring really quick. Chicken, rice, and broccoli gets boring really quick. Egg whites, they're, they're, they get bad really fast. But think about a cookbook. If you follow what the recipe says about what you're cooking, everything should turn out okay. Amen? If you follow the recipe in the cookbook, and I mean follow it to a T, get your measuring spoons out, get your scale out, get your ingredients out, your recipe should turn out fine. The Bible is the cookbook for our life and has all the successful recipes for us to be okay. The question is, are you following all parts of the Bible or are you skipping steps throughout, the, throughout Scripture? Because like I said, man, if you, if you miss a step in a recipe, it messes everything up. I'm not a huge baker, but I know if you put too much eggs in a cake, it's not going to be very good. If you don't put sugar in it, if you don't put sugar in it, it's not going to be very good. Unless, I mean, if you're trying to eat low-calorie cake, but nobody eats low-calorie cake. <laughs> Nobody eats low-calorie cake. But, man, if you skip steps of Scripture, if you're missing parts of God's Word, it's not, your life will not be okay. But, man, God, if you follow God's instruction, I can't say it enough over and over. If you follow God's instruction, I'm telling you, you will have a chance to have joy. You'll have a chance to experience love. You'll have a chance to experience mercy and grace and so many things that God promises us. Because, like I said earlier, when God says he's going to do something, he does it. And so when Jesus says, I'm going to send my son Jesus, when God says, I'm going to send my son Jesus to die for people, but not stay dead, but resurrect and walk again so they can have a chance at eternity, so they can have a chance at eternal life, he's done that. I've never, the, the resurrection cannot be disproved. The resurrection is what we hold on to. And that's what changes your life. Jesus is what changes your life. And for the first Passover, the unleavened bread was a necessity. This this is so cool. Their deliverance happened so quickly that there was no time to use the yeast to allow the bread to rise before they had to hit the road. So this is, as I was saying, this is why I wrote my notes, college students. When God called, the, when told the Moses and Aaron, gave them the instructions to the Israelites the, um, for the Passover, this is what he was telling them. Significantly, God called them to walk unleavened after their initial deliverance from Egypt. But symbolically, they were being called to a life in moral purity before the Lord. And that's the same thing for us with Jesus as our Passover lamb. And after the first Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread was a testimony throughout their generations. Let's create a culture that we talk about what God's doing in our life. Because, man, one day, one day many of us will have kids. And, man, what's it look like to, for you to tell your kids one day, man, this is what God did in my life while I was in college? Or what's it look like for you to tell? Some of you, don't have, some of you have family members that don't know Jesus. Some of you have moms and dads that don't know Jesus, grandparents, cousins, siblings that don't know Jesus. What would it look like if you told them, hey, big bro, hey, big sis, this is what God's doing in my life? Because then that will pique their interest of, man, why, why is God not doing that in my life? And you'll have gospel after gospel opportunity. If you just start sharing what God is doing in your own life, not to put glory on you, not to say, look at me, look at Dakota, look at Coach, look at, look at Skylar, but no, look at Jesus. Man, his name increases, our name decreases. But are you talking about it in your life? Let's continue through our passage. We're going to finish through verses 21 through 28. Man, like if, if y'all don't hear anything else, man, like talk about what God's doing in your life. 
This, and then this is what God's word says in verse 21. Then Moses summoned all the elders of Israel and said to them, go select an animal from the flock according to your families and slaughter the Passover animal. Take a cluster of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin and brush the lintel and the two doorposts with some of the blood in the basin. None of you may go out of his house until morning when the Lord passes through to strike Egypt and sees the blood on the lintel and the two doorposts. He will pass over the door and not let the destroyer enter your house, enter your houses to strike you. Verse 24, keep this command permanently as a statue for you and your descendants. When you enter the land that the Lord will give you as he promised, you are to observe this ceremony. When your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? You are to reply, it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord, for he passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians and spared our homes. So the people knelt low and worshiped. That's, that was the people's response when they heard the instruction of what they were supposed to do when the, the deliverance was coming. Before the deliverance even came, they knelt low and they worshiped God. Then the Israelites went and did this. They did just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. Point number three, our last point of the night, is the initiative of the passed over. So we have the instruction of it. We have the importance of it. But, man, there is an initiative that we have to take for being passed over. Man, when that, on that night in Egypt, when God passed over the houses, he was looking for the blood on the door, and that came from the people's obedience. And what's so cool about the hyssop, don't miss this detail of this instruction right here. In verse 22, they were told to take a cluster of hyssop and dip it in the blood that was in the basin and brush the lintel of the two doorposts with some of the blood. Hyssop is very significant throughout the Bible. Through scripture, you will read hyssop as often used to apply blood for the cleansing of sin. Many examples are like Leviticus chapter 14. There's Numbers chapter 19, um, verse 6, Numbers 19, verse 18. But the one I want to focus on, the one that we know, the one that you read, man, it comes from Psalm 51, verse 7. And this is what David writes. Purify me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Hyssop was always connected with purification through sacrifice. And again, as they told them, they were supposed to tell generation after generation about this night. And this makes me think of, man, Psalm 78, verses 3 through 4. This says this right here. Things we have heard and known and that our ancestors have passed down to us, we will not hide them from the children, but will tell a future generation the praiseworthy acts, the Lord, his might, and the wondrous works he has performed. And, man, college students, this was definitely a praiseworthy act of God, of delivering his people from slavery. But the question I have to you tonight, the last question I have, one of the last questions, is do, you, do we praise the Lord for the deliverance he has given us? Because we, we have read about huge moments in the Bible about what God's done, but we don't live like that. We don't live like this is the God that we serve, and when we do, it will change how you live. And, man, what's, what's so crazy is this... This is just one of many. And as we continue through this redemption tour, there are so many more moments like this in the Bible where God delivers his people. 
The Passover has so much detail. And I could, I could talk more and more and more about the detail of the Passover. But, man, if you have questions, man, come to life groups with us. We're going to dive more into the detail of this. But the most important part about this is all, of all of this is this right here. The Passover has so much detail, and it all points to the one who can deliver us. And praise God that we have the instruction on how to experience deliverance. 